You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Thank you, Martin and Esther, for the trust again to come and minister. And it is my absolute joy to be with you. And AJ, come on, coming on staff. Where is he? There he is. Come on. An Irishman on staff. That's got to be a good thing, right? And with a name like AJ, it it feels quite weighty, that, doesn't it? You know, Dr. AJ. (laughs) Pastor AJ. It has a, I I wish my mother had given me another name. So like John something Andrews, because all great theologians have another name. Uh, Maybe that's a sign. I don't know, but there we are. Uh, But it's it's a joy to be with you. Well, since the last time I was with you, a couple of things have happened. I turned 50. Had a, bit of, yeah, had a bit of a moment. Do you know, I've always enjoyed the age I am. I've never had an age issue. So I loved being in my 40s. Absolutely loved it. And when I hit 50, I sort of had a moment where you think, do you know, there's more of my life behind me that is probably in front of me. Now, I could live to 101, but if I don't, I'm sort of, you know, I just... just bit of a moment. Uh, so I had a good birthday anyway, but uh, and I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good at 50. Uh, the other thing that's happened, some of you connect with us on social media, we've had more puppies. Now, uh, we have a boy uh, sausage dog called Pepperoni and a girl sausage dog called Salami. And earlier in 2016, they got together and produced beautiful pups. And, uh, and that was lovely. We did all of that in the summer. And so we were going to have a, a break for a year and then let them have another litter. And then that'll be it. And so around about October, uh, Dawn said to me, I was working from home, and Dawn said to me, now watch the dogs because Sal, the girl doggy, had come on heat. And Pepperoni, the boy doggy, was getting very excited around her. And so we got her a special nappy. And we put, it's true, it's true, we put a special nappy on the dog just to keep them apart. And so I said to Dawn, no problem, I'll look after the dogs. I'm a professional, I know what I'm doing. I got distracted, probably reading the Bible or something, but I got distracted. About an hour later, Salami came into the living room without a nappy. And Pepperoni followed her in, smoking a cigar. Um, And at that point, I knew I was in big trouble. And so uh, just before Christmas, we had more puppies. So we've got a house full of sausage dogs at the moment. Uh, So please pray for us. We got up. uh, I I left the home at 20 past six this morning. And as soon as you turn the lights on, the puppies are just berserk. They go mad. So it's trying to grab them and sort out wee and all sorts of stuff uh, at that time in the morning. So, uh, So I've done a day's work before I've got here. Uh, but, uh, but there we are. So it's my joy to share the Word of God with you uh, this morning. And you've been doing a series on community. Now, this is not part of this series, but I wanted to sort of jump in on your theme and hopefully encourage you uh, with that. And uh, c- could you put it up on the screen for me, guys? We'll, we'll get ready to go. I want to talk this morning, um, if it comes up, hopefully it'll come up. It's up here. Oh, that's me. <laughs> You can, you can have me up there if you want, but that's a bit scary. Um, I, I want to talk this morning about being Barney. Uh, hopefully that will explain itself in just a moment. So if you have a Bible, can you turn in your Bible with me to Acts chapter 4? The book of Acts chapter 4. And I want to read just a couple of really fantastic verses from this passage. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, verse 32 Down to verse 36, okay? Or 37, actually. 
So if you've got a Bible, uh, follow it with me. It says this, all the believers were in one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the seals, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. It is amazing, an incredible uh, passage of Scripture. Now here's an interesting fact for you. Joseph of Cyprus... Um, in the context of the New Testament, has 14 major passages in which he is named. In fact, when you add that up, Joseph of Cyprus gets more wordplay than some of the original disciples of Jesus in terms of the New Testament. So if we were following this, there are, there are approximately, depending how you count, 14 major passages that refer to this man, Joseph of Cyprus. But actually, for most people, um, they would struggle to know who Joseph of Cyprus was. Now, we, know, we sort of know that Joseph of the Old Testament, he's the one with a special coat. Most people get that. We, we, we've sort of got the Joseph of the New Testament. He's the one who married Mary, who was the mother uh, of Jesus. So, so they're the famous Josephs. Joseph of Cyprus is less known, and yet his impact on the New Testament is quite staggering. And in 14 major passages, all of which, apart from one, are incredibly positive about his influence, many people won't actually know him as Joseph of Cyprus. They will know him as Barnabas. Barnabas isn't actually his name. Barnabas is a rename or a nickname that he's given. He's called Joseph by birth, but the apostles rename him Barnabas, a a, a sort of a a very nice, very powerful uh, nickname. And they give him that name because of what they saw in him, because of what they heard him say, and because of the things he did. So I want you to notice this, this is a very powerful moment, that Barnabas is given the name Barnabas, not because they're just trying to hand out special titles and special badges, but he's given the name Barnabas because he looks like a Barnabas. He sounds like a Barnabas. He behaves like a Barnabas. They give him this rename or nickname. Now, of course, uh, renames or nicknames are very, very interesting. When I was in school, uh, many of my teachers had some very interesting nicknames that we gave them. Uh, I don't know if you had that experience uh, as well. Uh, one of my teachers genuinely was called Dracula um, because he did look like uh, the vampire person, um, right down to very, very sharp incisors. And I'm not making that up. He really did. When he had his coffee break, we always wondered, was he drinking coffee or blood. Uh, but, but, but his nickname was Dracula. We had a, a teacher whose nickname was Sasquatch simply because he was uh, between six foot five and six foot eight tall. He had his shoes made for him at the shipyard. Uh, he, was, he was that tall. 
Another teacher was called Walrus because he insisted on growing a very large moustache which hung down like the tusks of a walrus and so that was his nickname we never said that to his face because he was a bit nasty uh that was behind his back but my favorite uh, nickname for teachers was uh, the name of our religious education teacher he was nicknamed god now i thought he was called god because he taught religious education and then i went into his class and i realized he was called god because he put the fear of god in everybody that he met he was a bit he was a bit of a terror there were no atheists in his religious education class at least if you were you just kept that bit quiet and just if he said you believe in jesus yeah yeah okay uh, it was a, a really funny moment in class. He, was, he, he announced to us he was going on holiday to Scotland. Well, from Northern Ireland to Scotland, there's only two ways to get there, by boat or by plane. And so one boy said, sir, how are you getting there? He said, I'm walking. So, so, so there we are. So, so you, you get those sort of... Now, all of those nicknames were received because of something people saw. Because of something they experienced. They weren't just random. They were related in some way to that person. Interesting little question would be, I wonder what people would nickname us. Wonder if our kids give us a nickname, what would it be? It's a bit scary, that thought, isn't it? Who's with me? Who who does that feel? I wonder if the community that you're a part of here were to give you a rename, what sort of rename would they actually give you and actually that's what's happening in this passage it's dead easy to sort of read this and sort of spiritualize it but what's happening is the apostles are looking at a man who is making such an impression on them that they have to rename him because his his birth name doesn't really fit with what he's doing here's what the bible says and i i love this from proverbs a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Uh, And of course, in the context of Hebrew scriptures, name is associated with behavior and character. So the idea of a good name is not just uh, reputational, but it's behavioral. Are you with me? And actually, in the context of our community together, we want to be a people who sort of imbibe the heart and the mentality of Barnabas. That's why I want to talk this morning on being Barney. I believe that actually every person in this room can be a Barnabas. I believe that every one of us can be Barney to our world. Whether that world is a church community world, or the world around us, our street, or our workplace, or our school, or our college, or our university, we can be people who actually bring something of the spirit, mentality, and attitude of Barnabas to our world. And our world needs it. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, there will be people who will go from one Sunday to the next and never hear a word of encouragement spoken to them. I reckon if we did a wee experiment and we had someone at the door with a clipboard asking the question, since we saw you last Sunday, outside of gathering in church here at CLM, since we saw you last Sunday, has anyone said anything nice to you? I think we'd be shocked. In in my previous church, I remember a lady saying to me, I love coming to church because it's the only place where I get touched. Living on her own. No one around her. She loved coming to church because she got a hug. She got kisses. She got attention. Someone tenderly made her and gave her a coffee. And we underestimate the power of these things. And yet it's the power of dynamic Christian community. 
An interesting question for you would be, since last Sunday, have you said anything nice to somebody? We like the idea of someone saying something nice to us, but have you said something nice? Have you commended someone? Have you thanked someone? Have you taken a moment to show that Barnabas mentality? And I actually think in the world in which we live, in building dynamic community, the Barnabas mentality is at the very heart of it. This idea of being an encouragement to those around us. Now, I want to say a few things about Barnabas from the scriptures. Some of those passages I just want to look at. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Barneys aren't born. They become and it's really important that we understand this from the text. If somebody's going to come at me afterwards and say, well, you know, I'm not really into encouragement and blessing people because it's not my personality type. So, so let's all get over that. Whatever personality type you are, you can be a Barney. Yeah, and your personality type is an excuse for your unwillingness to engage in change and blessing others around you. So whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, whether you're on the happy scale high or on the miserable scale low, you can actually be a blessing. Now now look at this. I want you to see this. Look at the verse. Uh, Verse 36 of our passage. Look at what it says. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of of encouragement. He starts his life as Joseph, which means God adds to, or he has added to me, and he finishes his life as someone who's giving to people. And so there's a metamorphosis takes place in Barnabas' life where where he moves from someone who, who has been, as it were, added to his family to now someone who is adding to other people's families. He's changed. He's made a move. There's a, a lovely little story of, of a, a tourist who was uh, traveling around the country, stopping at different places and trying to find out which famous place uh, people were born in those places. And he stopped at one particular village and he asked a local villager, were there any famous people born here? The villager paused for a moment and thought and said this, no, only babies. I have three babies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, They're now 23, 19, and 15. No babies anymore. But listen, when they were born, they weren't born cynical. But neither were they born with a propensity to be an encourager. They have to learn those things. And actually, as ladies and, and gentlemen here, as followers of Jesus, we want to be men and women who absolutely grab this idea that I can become... Not just that I am, but I am becoming. I can become better. I can become bigger. I can become more generous. I can become more servant-hearted. I can become, regardless of my background, regardless of my personality type, regardless of my beginning, regardless of the name I started my life with, I can become a better person. That's the power of the gospel. I can become a better person. I can become bigger. I can become more uh, generous. Uh, When we look at this picture, uh, a baby in the womb, we've no idea what that baby could become. There's nothing from that picture that can indicate anything about that child. But what we do know is this, there is a potential to become. A potential to move into what God has for us. Do you know, you can become a Barney if you want to be. Come on, you're not convinced. 
You can become a Barney if you want to be. You can be a son, a daughter of encouragement to those around you. You can become a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. I love this. It says of, of Barnabas that he, later on in the, in the scriptures, he went to a place called Antioch where there was a, a burgeoning Christian community filled with Jews and Gentiles. And it says this of Barnabas, uh, Acts eleven twenty three, that he was glad and he encouraged them. The word encouraged there literally is the idea of to come beside someone and call them to something better. It's exactly the same word used of the Holy Spirit. The paraclete, paraclesis, beside to call. The idea of encouragement is we come alongside people and we call them up. We call them to something better. We call them to something bigger. We call them in such a way that they could perhaps be someone or be something or do something that they never thought they could do and they're able to do it because you do a Barney, because you draw alongside them and because you call them up. Encouragement is not something given from a distance. Encouragement is not something that's given sort of theoretically. The way we give biblical encouragement is getting alongside people and calling them up. Why is he called Barney? Because he's constantly getting alongside people and calling them up. He's calling them up. What an incredible idea this is for each one of us. And I want you to get this as we, as we move forward. He wasn't born Barnabas. He became Barnabas. I love that. Now, here's a question for you. Could you be a Barney? I know life's hard for you. I know it's tough. I know you've got your own challenges. But you know what? one of the things that I've discovered? My challenges become slightly easier to manage when I step outside of the boundary of my challenges and I try to assist other people with their challenges. I've just found that principle. That when I stay in the boundary of my own pain, actually that gets bigger and I get smaller. But when I step outside the boundary of my pain, draw alongside somebody else and try and encourage them, I find that although my particular pain may not be going away, I become a bigger person. And when I become bigger, the situation I'm in sort of becomes a bit smaller. Are you with me? And here's Barnabas, and it's easy to read this in the Bible. It's all fluffy and lovely and religious and spiritual, but actually it's really down to earth, and it's really everyday stuff. Here's Barnabas saying, there are people that need my encouragement. So what does he do? He draws alongside them, and he calls them up to something better. My goodness, our world needs that. Your neighbors need that. Your kids need that. This community needs that. There are people sitting in this room now who actually need that. We need to live in a community that will constantly draw alongside us and call us upward. Call us to something better. Can you say amen? Are you with me? And Barney becomes, I just love that idea that he becomes. But let me, let me say a couple of other things about Barney's. Here's, here's the next thing I want you to see. Barney's are givers. I love this. Now, don't worry about I'm not going to talk about money. I'm just going to talk about giving. So as many you use the G word in church, everybody starts tightening into their wallet uh, because you're going to hit them with an offering. So hold steady. I'm not going to talk about money, but I am going to talk about 
the principle of generosity here. I want you to notice this. This is a powerful, powerful idea. Look at the verse that's on the screen, or verse 37 in your Bible. It says this of Barnabas, that he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, a couple of things to note there. First of all, no one made him do this. So this wasn't a first century Christian rule that you couldn't own stuff. And some people have said that, and it's not true. In fact, uh, Barnabas's aunt, his aunt Mary, because his cousin was John Mark, we'll meet him in just a moment, Barnabas's aunt Mary owned a house in Jerusalem. That's the house they were having the prayer meeting in when Peter got rescued from jail. So actually, it's okay to own stuff if you're a Christian. Yeah. Right? So it's cool. It's fine. As long as the stuff doesn't own you. See, the spirit of a Barnabas is this. It'll never own me. Uh, And in those moments when it's starting to own me, I'll give it away. That's the test. And, and, and actually, you and I know if you own something, if you have land, if you have a house, you never sell. As much as possible, you try and hold on to your land. I mean, unless it's an emergency, you don't sell land. It's the one thing they're not making any more of. There's no more, well, part in Dubai, maybe they're making more. But you know what I mean? They're not making any more land. So if you've got it, you hang on to it. So first century world, no one's made him give it, number one. Number two, he's giving away uh, his inheritance and his legacy. He's giving away physical land. He'll never get that land back. It's gone. That's the mark of his generosity. Can I just say this just to help us today? Encouragement is impossible without generosity. You can't encourage without being generous. Now, that doesn't mean you're writing a check, though it may mean that for some situations. It doesn't mean that you're giving away a piece of land, though it may mean that for some people, but it does mean you're stepping out of your own world and you're being generous into somebody else's. Generosity and encouragement are synonymous ideas, and it is impossible to encourage people without it causing me to have to be generous. So if you want to, this is the health warning. If you want to be a Barney, you're going to have to get generous. Now, we love receiving generosity, don't we? I know the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, but it's really cool receiving too, isn't it? We love receiving, and I've received many, many things over the years, but there is something God-like released in us when we give. That's why non-Christians enjoy Red Nose Day. That's why they enjoy children in need. That's why millions of pounds are given, because even a person who doesn't know and love Jesus feels better about themselves by giving something. Why? Because when they give something that's bigger than themselves, without any strings attached, they touch into the God part of who they are. Because God's generous. The opening pages of the Bible, God's giving stuff. Giving. Giving. Every action of God in in Genesis chapter 1 is giving. There's not one single taking action in Genesis 1. So the Christian community should be a generous community, but a generosity that's focused in on encouraging people. So our generosity is about coming alongside people and calling them up. My generosity is not just, you know, I want to be generous. It's about making a difference to the context in which I'm being generous. So Barnabas is generous to feed hungry people. See that? He wants to lift them up. 
And actually, that might help some of us in our journey of generosity. If we can make our journey more about encouragement and less about the nuts and bolts of generosity, it might help us to be more generous. Some of us focus on the numbers instead of focusing on the people. So if we focus on who we're doing it for and why we're doing it, then, then actually what we're giving away is less of an option. Are, are you with me? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Second thing I want you to see in this context is this, that generosity always encourages. Now there may be the odd grumpy exception in the room or in the world, but I want to tell you, I, I have never failed to be encouraged by someone else's generosity to me. Especially when that generosity is unexpected. And especially when, when I know that generosity has cost that person so much. I want to tell you, it encourages people. And your generosity this week could be the difference between someone quitting and going. And actually, in this community, there are people. In your life groups that you're signing up for, there are great places to learn about need and generosity. You know, you can hide a little bit in a room like this. When there's 12 of you in a room, it's a wee bit harder to hide. It's a wee bit harder to ignore the needs. Amen? So actually, the Christian community should be a a, a community that embraces the spirit of Barney, which expresses itself in generous encouragement. That no one quits because they weren't encouragement. Somebody once, uh, someone once said this, that no one died from too much encouragement. That's true. Think about yourself just for a moment. Have you personally received a word of encouragement this week? Or an action of encouragement? Just think about it for you. Mom, dad, person in this room. Have you, have you in turn encouraged Somebody else. I, I, I love what, what Proverbs says in the context of this sort of encouragement. A generous man or person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. <coughs> love that idea in the context of this. So I want to ask you the question again. Could you be a Barney? Could you this week be a giver into somebody's world? That might mean money, that might mean time, that might mean listening, that might mean just being sensitive to the needs around you. It could mean a hundred things. It, it, it doesn't matter what it means, but the point is that you and I are being intentional about contributing into someone's world in order to lift them up. Could you do that? I think you could. I think you could if you want to. Maybe not. But there we are. Here's the, here's the third thing I want you to see. Uh, actually, Barneys are believers. I love this. In the context of another Barnabas passage, Acts chapter 9 says this. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, just making sure it's on the screen for you. Look at this. Look at these words. But Barnabas took him. Now, who's the him there? The him is Saul, who becomes Paul, the famous apostle took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord 
and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Paul, or Saul, has just become a follower of Jesus. Up to that point, he was a terrorist, in a sense, acting to destroy the church. Everyone's a little bit nervous and fearful about him, and they think that this is a ploy to infiltrate the church. But Barnabas speaks up on behalf of Saul in order to get him acceptance. But I want you to notice the language. It says, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. Well, how did Barnabas know that? He wasn't there. The reason Barney knows that is because he's talked to Paul. And the reason he's saying it is because he believes Paul. So he's not just showing he believes in Paul by standing in front of the elders and the apostles and saying, give the boy a chance. He's showing he believes in Paul by believing in Paul. By believing his message. He's actually said, I wasn't there on the road to Damascus. You could be making this up, but I actually believe you. And in believing Saul, he released something in Saul that gave an opportunity for this man to become an incredible influence on his world. Now that's striking enough. Fast forward 10 years. Barnabas is now up in Antioch, this burgeoning new church that's exploding in growth with Gentiles and Jews. And Barnabas needs some help. So here's what it says. Uh, Next verse coming up. Verses 25 to 26, chapter 11. This is 10 years later. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And if you read the story, uh, he and Saul really get wired into the church and build a fantastic foundation. And in 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 an official way, Saul's teaching gift gets recognized and released. And the rest is history. That's 10 years later. You just read these verses, it feels like a few weeks. Ten years later, he goes and finds him. Now, you read that little verse, and then just you move on in your daily devotions. But let me show you something on a map. I don't know if you can, you can see that, but, but down at the bottom here, my little red pointer, there's Antioch. That's where Barnabas is. This is Tarsus over here. That's 147 miles. On foot. I got here, I left my house this morning 20 past 8, or 20 past 6, got here at 5 past 8 in a beautiful uh, warm car, heated seats, the whole, you know, I love my heated, love my Botox being warm when I'm driving, uh, absolutely wonderful, uh, you know, uh, comfortable, listening to the radio, uh, coffee in the car, magnificent, took me just under two hours of comfortable driving to get here, easy, about 88, 90 miles, something like that. Barnabas has to walk to Tarsus. 147 miles. And the the, the language that Dr. Luke uses in his text means it wasn't just an easy find. He had to really dig in to find this man. It wasn't easy to find him. Now let me put that into perspective for me and you because I don't understand 147 miles. Let me give you a Coventry 147 miles. So here's Coventry here. The big red dot in the middle. In the middle. Come on. Some of you need to get more excited about Coventry, people. Come on now. All right. Now, 147 miles from Coventry would be either Middlesbrough. You've heard of Middlesbrough. Somewhere up there. Frozen north. Yes? Or, I'll give you a down south one. If you go down south, it would be Dover. So here's the deal. You want to help me so much that you're going to start walking. 
from Coventry to Middlesbrough. And you don't even know where I live in Middlesbrough. Big city. So you've got to get to Middlesbrough and then find me. And hope that I walk 147 miles back with you. You better have a good offer. That's the reality of Acts chapter 11. And we just read it. Well, Barney, you know, uh, hopped over to Tarshish and they all lived happily ever after. No, this is a 147 mile walk. Then he has to find a man in a busy city. And then he has to persuade the man to come all the way back by foot. Ladies and gentlemen, that's encouragement. If someone walked from Coventry to Middlesbrough and knocked on my door and just said, hey, I'm here for you. That would make me feel pretty good. We live in a world where people walk past each other every day. It's not even like they have to go out of their way to find people. People are right in front of them and we walk past. Some of us will walk past each other today. And actually, we're right in front of each other. Here's Barney, walking 147 miles. And it may not even work. But he does it because he believes in Paul. He's already shown he believes in Paul. And now he's saying, I believe in you again. And the rest is history. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine the New Testament without Paul. That New Testament, chunks of it wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for a 147 mile walk. Thank God for Barney. Thank God for Barneys. We need Barneys. People who'll just get up, leave stuff, and go for a walk. Knock on somebody's door and say, I believe in you. I believe in you. Some of you are literally here today because somebody believed in you. I believe in you. Now, question. Could you be a Barney? Come on, could you go on a walk this week? Out of your way? Tarsus was out of his way. Could you do that for somebody? Because I want to tell you, if you go out of your way for someone, that will mean more to them than you can probably imagine. Now, some of you are going to come at me and say, I've done that and it didn't work. Well, that's not your problem. It's not my problem to determine the reaction of a Saul. It's my responsibility to make the walk. Saul may kick it in your face. He may think you're a numpty and slam the door on you. It doesn't matter. The point is you've made the walk. And the, 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 the God of heaven who watches you, has made that walk with you. And he goes, I won't allow that not to be rewarded, even if Saul doesn't appreciate it. You with me? Can I have just a few more minutes? Here's the last thing I want you to see and we're done. Barneys are seers. So they're not born, they become. Uh, Barneys, uh, in a sense, are, are people who, who become in the journey of their lives. Uh, and, and, and that's important as we do that. And part of that becoming is the ability to see. Yeah. Now, I don't mean seeing here, seer as in prophetic. I mean seer as in you just see stuff. So dead simple. So you don't need like a move of the Holy Spirit to see this stuff. You just need to open your eyes. Yeah. And Barney was a man who opened his eyes and saw some stuff. Now, I want you to see this verse that's coming up on the, on the screen for you. It's a very, very powerful, powerful moment in the context of this. And it's in Acts chapter 15, and it says this. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark. Now, he was his cousin with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had 
deserted them. Now, as we backstory here, first missionary journey, Paul and Barney leave Antioch and go on their first journey. And the Bible says in Acts 13 that John Mark went with them. Somewhere in the journey, in Acts chapter 13, it says this. Luke, Dr. Luke's very kind because he's a nice man. And Dr. Luke says, John left them in Acts 13. But when they're ready to go on their second missionary journey in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas have a little bit of a disagreement. Now, it doesn't say they fell out. It just says they disagreed. That's really important. Don't read into the text what's not there. You can disagree without falling out. So they had a sharp disagreement over... John Mark. Uh, and here was a disagreement. Paul said he didn't leave us. No matter what Dr. Luke says, he didn't leave. He deserted us. So Paul, this testosterone-filled apostle who, who would scare the life out of anyone uh, in terms of his passion and enthusiasm, he says he's not going back with us because he quit. He deserted us. And Barney says, give the boy a second chance. Oh, you're only saying that because you, you know, you're his cousin. No, 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 no. Give the boy a second chance. I see something in him that can live again. Give him another chance. Paul says, here's what Paul says. You give him another chance. I'm off. And so Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark. Now, who was right and who was wrong? Well, uh, in a sense, they were both right. That's the problem here. It's possible to disagree when you're both right. Paul's actually right. He deserted them. He did. The boy jeopardized the missionary journey and could have put everybody's life in danger by deserting them. So that's true. Paul's technically correct. Barnabas is always also right. Listen, if we don't give people a second chance, they're done. So they're both right. And actually, they end up going in separate directions. But, but ultimately, there's a beautiful verse in the last recorded writings of Paul. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the la- Paul is about to be executed. Shortly after writing 2 Timothy, Paul loses his head, quite literally. And look what Paul says in the context. Get Mark, that's John Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Now, those words are written about 14 years after the split. So Barney gives John Mark a second chance and John Mark grabs the moment. He draws alongside this young boy and he says, come on, I can call you up. I know Paul, but Paul's a good man. Paul loves you. He's just a go-getter. He's a little bit brutal. He's a little bit type A personality. You just have to get used to him. But listen, son, I believe in you. I see something in you. Now, come on, let's keep going. And so Barney draws alongside him and calls him. He becomes John Mark's paraclete. He becomes his beside-to-call person. Did it work? It absolutely did, because Paul references it here. The Gospel of Mark in your New Testament was written by that boy. The first Gospel is written by the, by the quitter. In fact, John Mark, the quitter, went on to be the first bishop of the Church of Alexandria in Egypt, was dragged through the streets, tradition tells us, burnt and martyred for his faith. So the boy that quit in Acts 13 never quit again. And why did he not quit? Because somebody like Barney said, come on, son, you can do this. Come on, you can do this. I, I can help you. You can, you can make this. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us are here in this room because somebody drew alongside us and said, come on. 
I know you want to quit. I know it hurts. I know life sucks at the moment. I know everybody thinks you're a numpty, but I, I can see something in you. I can see something in you. And you can live. And you can live. And you can live again. It's a young man on the screen called Nick Voyachuk. Very handsome, isn't he? Handsome young man. If you looked at that, you just think he looks like an ordinary uh, young man from Australia. Until you see this picture. Nick Voyachuk has no arms and no legs. He was born literally in that way. Uh, and, and people around him as he grew up didn't believe this child would amount to anything but a small circle of friends and family saw something, believed in him. And this young man now is married with two children. That picture is the second on the way. He's now got two children, married. And he travels all over the world speaking to thousands of young people about God's purpose for broken people. Why? How does that get to happen? Because somebody saw something. Saw something. Do you know, this week, you might be the difference between a John Mark quitting or a John Mark going. You could be that difference. Someone that you draw alongside and the world has said, you failed, you're nothing, you're useless. And yet you look at them and you say, actually, I can see something in you. I love this. One of my favorite quotes, actually, it was David Sherman who introduced this quote to me. Small boys grow to be large men in the presence of large men who love small boys. I love that. People grow in an environment of encouragement. It's almost impossible not to grow in an environment of encouragement. In fact, you have to make a decision not to grow in an environment of encouragement. But actually, when we're surrounded by Barnabases, when we're surrounded by people who will draw alongside and call us up, I want to tell you that's the environment of growth and that's the environment of change. Could you be a Barney? Maybe some of you need a Barney this morning. Need somebody to draw alongside you. But actually, maybe... Maybe you are being challenged today in the context of our community, in the context of our life groups, in the context of our world. You could take a moment today, open your eyes. You don't even need a word from the Holy Spirit. Although if that comes, let's go for it. Let's be sensitive to that. You don't need a prophetic unction. You just need to open your eyes. Not rush out. Not rush on. But look around. And I tell you, now, it's a health warning. If you're prepared to do that, your life will change, not just the lives of the people you are ministering to. Why don't you stand with me? Go and invite the band back, and I'm just going to pray. I know I've run over time slightly. Please forgive me. Thank God for Barney. The world needs Barneys. And actually, I believe that every person in this room, regardless of your ethnicity, Color, gender, background, beginning, creed, personality type. I believe every person in this room can become Barnabas, son or daughter of encouragement to those around them. And actually it starts with a choice. Lord, this is what I want to be. Now I know some of you need a Barnabas right now. I get that. I get that too. But actually, Lord, it's so easy to become selfish it's so easy to allow my pain to dominate the agenda. It's so easy for me to say, hey, look, everyone look at me. Everyone help me. And I get that. I do. Because I live in the same world as you. But 
There's a glorious kingdom moment happens when you and I are prepared to open our eyes, step outside of ourselves and say, how could I draw beside someone and call greatness out of them? Because that's what encouragement is. Parakaleo, beside to call. We want to build a Christian community here that calls people. That draws alongside them, that rubs their shoulders, that, that puts their arm around them, that looks into their eyes, that hears and feels, so that actually out of this community will come world changers and world beaters. So Holy Spirit, I pray for every one of us. All of us are carrying some measure of pain in this room. All of us have a story that we could share with a Barnabas. But Lord, in the midst of our own journey, we believe you are calling us to be a Barnabas to our world. To step outside our own pain, to step outside our own challenges and to realize there might be a John Mark or a Saul or a broken person that simply needs a touch, a moment, a knocking on the door, a consideration, a word, a pause. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each one of us. We know that this means cost and it means work and it's a little bit scary, but I pray for each one of us that we will be men and women who are prepared to step beyond ourselves and allow you to bring the kingdom of grace and mercy and generosity to the world around us, even this world, this community, as well as the world that we touch. Help us to go from being Joseph to Barnabas. Help us, Lord, to be givers. Help us, Lord, to be believers. Help us, Lord, to be seers. That this week, this week, we will be the Barnabas to our world. This week, we will be a Barnabas to our street. This week, we'll be a Barnabas in our school, our college, our university, and our workplace. This week, we will be a Barnabas to the people and community of CLM. In Jesus' name, amen.